said that if you stand on the hill in Lucy Run Cemetery in the light of a full moon, you will be treated to the sight of a mournful bride rising from the waters of Lucy Run Creek. And then running to her former home once located at the foot of the cemetery hill. The apparition is Lucy, and she has been haunting Batavia Township since 1806. And welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunt Podcast. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me on this exploration into the world of fringe history and the unknown are Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. Also, please forgive me, I am just getting over a cold, so my voice is slightly rockier and gravelier than normal. I can't say words today. Anyway, you can stay up to date with our show by following us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And please join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, where you can share some of your own ghost stories from your neck of the woods. We're dying to hear about your personal encounters as well, as I just said, and some of the French history from your area. Please send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com so we can get it directly or join the Facebook group. You can find our podcast wherever you listen or watch our show on YouTube. Just find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky story lovers just like yourself can find the show. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. So this is part two of an exploration that we did a few weeks ago. But before we get into that, we do have a little bit of show news. We will be at the inaugural Frogman Festival in, on March 4th at the Great Wolf Lodge Conference Center in Mason, Ohio. We have copies of both issues of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Comics Anthology, the namesake of this podcast, and cryptid posters and stickers. Friend of the show and author extraordinaire James Willis is a featured speaker along with other folklorists, cryptozoologists, and artists. Find more at frogmanfestival.com. Also, on March 18th, 2023, we will be at the Highland Heights Comic Con at the Northern Kentucky University Student Union. Yay, it got funded. The Kickstarter was a success, and everyone is very happy about it. So if you're an artist or vendor, there are still tables available, and also you can get tickets to go to this wonderful event. So we don't have the new link yet, but I'm sure Christina will find it and put it in our show notes. Okay, yeah. So tonight's show is actually part two of our exploration into Claremont County. So we explored Batavia Township's Lucy Run Cemetery. So that was fun. What did you think of it before we get into the history? Part I, of the I thought show? it was, I thought it was a beautiful little old cemetery. I mean, it had a, it had some very old graves back to the 1700s, which was pretty impressive. I mean, there's a lot of graveyards in Cincinnati that are that old mm -hmm. but it was there was and it was well kept very well kept especially considering the windy roads oh, that yeah. it was on yeah the, it was actually we actually saw people exchanging a wreath or removing a wreath or something yeah like, they were cleaning up their loved one's grave site 
Yeah. And there were some really unusual gravestones there, too. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. People had fun with the designs, which I like seeing people have fun with the headstone designs. I'm like, yes, that's personalize it. This is like where you should be. Bedazzle that thing. Like put whatever you want on that headstone as long as the cemetery allows you to do it. But um, yeah, it's some people. What was it? Bass and trout they had on engraved like Mm -hmm. a fisherman catching a trout on one of the headstones and cars and dogs and cats on another one. It was, it was fun. Yeah. I'd like to see more graveyards do things like the Mary cemetery in Sapanza mm-hmm. in Romania, where they have all of them decorated. And then they have like a limerick about each person, what they did for a living. And then like a little piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd cool. be fun. It's yeah. really cool. It was a neat place. Yeah. yeah I, I would agree with that. I mean, not everybody can be a Spring Grove, Spring Grove Cemetery, but it it would be nice to have, you know, a little character to it other than just flat headstones, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but, this, you know, not everyone can afford that either. Yeah. This, was a, this had a charm to it. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was nice and small, mm-hmm. which yeah. I thought was kind of cool. It was small and the, the, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what people said on them was really sweet. Like they had some really interesting, you could, it was, it it gave a picture kind of a little bit of life Mm -hmm. in the town. Yeah. It was a nice neighborhood cemetery, which Mm -hmm. you don't really think of, especially here in Cincinnati, since so many Mm -hmm. of our neighborhood cemeteries were dug up and everyone was moved to spring Grove. Mm -hmm. So, um, so they all came from places like this. Yeah. Like the, all of them, like I think, what was it a few weeks ago when we had Greg hand on, we were talking about cemetery. There was a cemetery between fourth and fifth street and uh, everyone that was there got moved and they built a department store on top of that cemetery. Well, yeah, it was a cemetery, not a graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I liked this cemetery. Lucy run cemetery reminded me a lot of a new England one, especially Mm -hmm. the older section when we had colonial and slightly pre-colonial headstones. So that was really neat. And they are well-preserved. You go, Batavia Township. You have kept that cemetery pristine. So also note to all of our listeners, if you want to go, it is well-monitored. So it do not go vandalize this place. They will find you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, just to know. And also, this should be an episode that anybody of any age should be able to enjoy. We're talking about cemetery history. I mean, yes, there are dead people, but we're talking about folklore here and it's nothing bloody or gory or anything. So this mm-hmm. is a E for everyone episode. If you enjoy <laughs> the macabre. Explicit. Yeah, <laughs> not explicit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, sources for tonight's show. This is how I learned about this cemetery is Weird Ohio by James Willis, our friend James. Um, he writes so much about Ohio and he did talk about Lucy run cemetery for that book. Also Cincinnati ghost by Karen Levin, which is another place where I learned about this Ohio ghost stories and spooky legends with author Jeanette Quickenbush. She had a good little write up about the cemetery, uh, Ohio exploration society, find a grave for Lucy run cemetery, the Cincinnati inquirer, Ohio ghost towns.org History of Claremont County, Ohio, with illustrations and biographical sketches of the prominent men and pioneers written in 1880. This is, they had stories about the Robinson family there. Also, not to be outdone by that, we have the history of Claremont County and, or Claremont and Brown Counties, Ohio, 
volumes one and two from 1913. <laughs> so we, we dug deep into the history and thank you, um, Claremont County Historical Society and the members of Batavia Township. They really have dug into the history of everyone that is in that cemetery and around them. And they've done a wonderful job archiving all of these people and what they did. Because we have stories from 1806 about families that lived there, which is great and quite rare. So getting into the next bit, what we know. The area known as Lucy Run in Claremont County was first settled by some of the first Americans. Charles Robinson, born in 1763 in Asenith. We we were kind of like, how do you pronounce her name? Um, It's A-S-S-E-N-E-T-H. So Asenith, I think. It kind of sounds biblical, Asenith. So we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, Asenith Martin Robinson, and she was born in 1768. And their children, Mary, Margaret, Charles, Elizabeth, Catherine, and John. And they all moved there in 1806. Charles was born in Virginia and had also lived in Maryland and Kentucky before moving to Batavia Township. Like many other settlers in the area, Charles was a farmer and Asenith was known for her medicinal knowledge, which was tough to find in those days. Asenith was mighty into scriptures, as one of the older books wrote, and was called across Claremont County and twice traveled to Kentucky to help with those who were ill, quickly building an excellent reputation for her care and knowledge to aid the sick. This was a time where madstones were used to cure ailments. We kind of talked about that a little bit with Greg Hand a few episodes ago, and folk medicine was prevalent. She most likely understood which homeopathic remedies aided in the different illnesses, in addition to having a comforting bedside manner. So she was a very popular and prominent member of uh, Batavia Township, as well as her husband. In 1808, a Methodist congregation was organized at the Robinson Cabin, and along with the neighbors, they built a log cabin chapel around 1815 to 1816 that was known as Robinson's Church. The Robinson's Church congregation later moved to Amelia and became the Methodist Church there. There was also a one-room schoolhouse built in Lucy Run, which still stands to this day. It is now converted to a private residence, and please don't piss off the chickens that live there. So the legend. And also, please excuse the small child that is singing songs in the background. Oh, oh so, by the way, I looked up the pronunciation. It's Asenith. Asenith. Thank you, Christina. Asenith. I am so sorry, Asenith. Okay. So according to legend, Lucy Run is named after either the daughter or niece of Charles Robinson, who moved with the family when they settled the area. Around 1806 or 1807, Lucy became romantically involved and engaged to a local man, one who visited the family often while traveling to Batavia. A little bit of an editor's note. I feel that in retelling the story, we lose the nuance of what being engaged to another at that time meant and why we often lose it in context when we talk about Lucy Run and other perilous bride ghost stories. In the early 19th century, the only real way a farmer's daughter or niece could leave the family farm was to marry. So this was a very big deal to be engaged. There was a strict social conventions for people who 
for people to follow when talking to others outside the family. This was a society with strict gender roles. Women tended to talk to only other female members of her own immediate and extended family, and men did the same. Courting a, courting a spouse was one of the few times a man or a woman did talk to one another, but it still had social norms to follow. Realistically, Lucy and her fiancé would have settled locally and maintained a farm around the same area and the same social networks before and after marriage. So this is why it's, I think that nuance of why she was so desperate for him gets lost in the retelling. So, however, this marriage was not to be for Lucy and her fiance. As a thunderstorm came rolling into Batavia Township, Lucy's fiance paid her a visit to explain some very sudden news. He was breaking off his engagement with Lucy in favor for another local lady. You see, he had met and fallen in love with his the second woman, and he was set to marry her instead. He mounted his horse and rode back to Batavia, crossing the bridge over the Lucy Run Creek as rain drenched the hillside. Lucy, either distraught or angry, mounted her horse and chased after her ex-fiance. However, the rain had caused the creek to flood, which caused her to miss the bridge or her horse to get stuck in the muck and mire around the creek, bucking her off and into the swollen river. Lucy was carried off by the rushing stormwater and presumably drowned that day. Her body was never found. Legend continues that she was buried at the Robinson family cemetery with an unmarked grave since they had no body to actually bury. However, on nights with a full moon, people have witnessed Lucy rising from the creek in a long white wedding dress with a veil and running back to the cemetery towards where the family cabin once was located. Or, alternatively, from where the family cabin once was located, back to the creek, thus creating one of Cincinnati region's oldest ghost stories. Locals named the area after the tragic figure of Lucy. Batavia Cemetery, because, uh, sorry. So locals renamed the area after the tragic figure of Lucy. So Batavia Cemetery became Lucy Run Cemetery, with the street and creek being renamed Lucy Run Creek and Lucy Run Cemetery Road. However, Historians and genealogists have tried over the years to gain more insight onto who Lucy was, since we have an entire region of this township named after her. There were several women named Lucy or Lucinda born or were alive at the time, but none of them were really Lucy Robinson of this particular Robinson family. Historians largely think that the story of Lucy is a myth. However, there was a very interesting true story that involves the Robinson family. It was 1807 and Mary Robinson Weaver, daughter of Charles and Asenith, uh, who was the oldest daughter, by the way, their oldest child, was on a 12-mile journey to Mitchell Cabin in Miami Township with her horse in the middle of, a win- in the middle of winter when a snowstorm hit. Sometime during the journey... Wolves started circling Mary in her horse, so she dismantled and hunkered down. She paced around her horse, which was quite terrified at the time because there were howling wolves around them, and she kept circling her horse just far enough away that it couldn't buck at her or, like, kick her in any way. 
She did that until morning. She finally made it to the Mitchell cabin. She was very ill after the encounter, and it took several days for her to heal afterwards. Her encounter was recorded in the local history books, which I have cited in our sources, and unlike Lucy's, which had been preserved through oral tradition. So that's a fascinating local story of one of the Robinson women just hunkering down and guarding her horse and making sure that the wolves didn't attack them for hours during a snowstorm. How we don't have a ghost of Mary Robinson, I don't know, but we have Lucy instead. But Mary lived a long life. She is buried at Gibson Burial Ground in Elk Lick, Claremont County, with her husband, William Weaver, and they had two daughters. So she had a good life afterwards. It's just an amazing story that kind of seems to have gotten lost as time has gone on. So, sorry about that. Extra notes. If you choose to visit the cemetery, please know that it, it is an active cemetery. It is not a graveyard. Graveyards mean that no one's buried there anymore. Cemeteries mean they're active. With recent burials. While we were visiting, we had a I had to move my car because a family who was there to clean up their loved one's gravesite showed up. And it is a tiny one-lane path, like car path, that goes into this cemetery. And it was hard finding a place where I could park my car so they could get around me without tumbling down the hill. Also, please visit when you're allowed to, which is dawn to dusk there. And Batavia Township keeps it pretty well maintained. And the woman who lives in the one-room schoolhouse and her children, her chicken, not her children, her chickens, do watch you while you're in the cemetery. So if you do anything, she probably will be calling someone. Um, also be respectful of the chickens. Oh, they're very cute. Didn't you mention you felt that someone else was watching us? Yeah, the entire time we were walking through, there was a uh, somebody who had passed away and is buried in the cemetery who was basically shadowing us the entire time. And I didn't get a great glimpse of her, though I did see that she had either long blonde hair or long gray hair. But she seemed to be about Christina's height. And I would just get a glimpse of this hair in in the wind, basically, trailing us. So... That definitely the spirits are alive in that cemetery. It necessarily isn't Lucy. <laughs> so um, I, I felt that she was quite more recent than Lucy was. So uh, also to explain one of the things that we kept seeing in a lot of the older cemeteries uh, headstones was the term consort on them. And Christina, you pointed it out and I was like, I've never seen this before. So I looked it up. I found out why. Um, So it turns out that it means a wife or a spouse, and it denotes that they died before their spouse did on a headstone. And it's not a gender specific. Men and women could be consorts. So you can have, for example, we had in memory of Mary Ann, consort of George R. Wageman, which is a headstone that you can read in Lucy Run Cemetery. And it just means that she was a wife of George R. Wedgman who died before he did. And he ended up actually remarrying another woman a few years later. And she died before he did. And she is also listed as his consort as well. So that's the little interesting tidbit. I had no about, idea what that meant. That's pretty yeah, interesting. Neither did I. So we all learned something that today of what consort means on headstones. Question. Question. 
question. Yes. So if, okay, so either of them could be named consort and they're never called husband and wife? So it just means the term consort just denotes that that was a spouse who was married to that person. Hmm. So like in memory of Mary Ann, consort of George R. Yeah. Wageman, we're going to assume, because like I said, rigid gender norms mm -hmm. um, that Mary Ann we're assuming was female and George we're assuming is male. So that would mean that she was his wife hmm. and vice versa. It could have been, for example, George R., consort of mary ann wage wageman mm -hmm. like that we would denote that was her husband who died so the use of consort just means that person died before their spouse so whoever's ever... listed first died first and was the spouse of person b listed second i wonder were they ever called consorts while they lived or is a husband and wife a living term i think it's a living term consort okay. when in this specific way is just a grammatical change on a headstone that we no longer see mm. and it was really only prevalent between the 17th and early 19th century once the headstone oh. started getting really grand and you start seeing them really super engraved or getting taller a lot of that word that verbiage gets lost and instead mm -hmm. we're looking at the symbolism that's engraved on the headstones instead of the wording mm -hmm. so there you go and I've never seen that. I mean, I've gone through tons of cemeteries in all over New England in the Mid-Atlantic, and I've never run into it before yeah. or wasn't paying attention. I will also give that that could have what happened. What happened? I wasn't paying well, attention. Well, could it be a regional thing, too, a little bit? It could be. The term the Queen's Consort, for, for whatever reason, is stuck in my head. Eh, that's about right. Uh, yeah. Queen Consort. That's uh, the the queen is the wife of the king yeah so yeah but hmm. yeah that's it so that is all i have about lucy run cemetery beautiful place Very great beautiful. sketching location yes i know i have to go back and sketch sometime it was really i feel like there. the only thing it was missing was a willow tree like <laughs> oh over... yeah i didn't have one yeah it i felt like it needed one hanging over to over lucy run creek yeah. that would make it super picturesque but yeah. it yeah. had some pretty nice big old trees though i mean it, it was did. i yeah. loved it had like really pretty um evergreen trees tall ones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really interesting i mean it looked really nice it was it was a cool place it also looks like it's a very private area so just it does look private yeah yeah like you said before cat like you kind of don't want to tell people about it because you don't want people descending on it and yeah it's um, not big bothering the people that live there yeah the the land directly across from the cemetery which is where the cabin the robinson Fink cabin would have been i was wrong when we were in the cemetery i had the okay. location wrong um it would be roughly where that little fire pit was okay. along oh, the cabin okay. um that's all private property and please don't go that way if you are a listener and curious about visiting <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's private property and it's well marked private property. So, yes, because I was going to step on it to take pictures and mm -hmm. then I saw the sign. Um, it's like a little stake in the ground. So, mm -hmm. like, no trespassing private property. I said, okay, so I'll just use my zoom lens yeah. and I'll walk on the street. <laughs> yeah. And also be careful when walking around the bridge across Lucy Run. It just got renovated in 2011. 
but uh, it is a one lane bridge and people can't see you if they're coming around either of the curves that lead up to this bridge. It's kind of the Mod Hughes road bridge all over again, where it's mm -hmm. a straight area between two curves coming from opposite directions, if that makes any sense. So it's like you have an S and the bridge is right in that bridge between the two curved half circles yeah. on an S. And so it's kind of dangerous to go in my opinion jen Which you did it. i walked on yes <laughs> you did it um, but no one came no one was no, coming but it, so. it definitely wasn't a walking bridge like there's nowhere for you to go to get out of the way of a car mm -mm. um and even like the guardrail i mean you could fall through the guardrail if you're mm -hmm. a klutz like me so like when i i tend to get a little nervous around stuff like that and i try to be yeah. extra careful yeah there's um, no sidewalk there's no walking edge yeah. like i took photos of the creek from the cemetery just mm -hmm. zoomed in um just because i wasn't going to risk it so i really was trying to get the bridge and the hill and the cemetery all in one photo mm -hmm. you would have and to go onto private property for that one to happen i think i managed it for whatever oh, wow. reason they're still not on drop box i'm gonna have to look at oh, that oh really so they're not transferring done. oh well we'll we'll figure it out yeah. we'll, so we'll i get can it. slip a couple of these into the episode mm -hmm. yeah. now i have a question in light of when we were discussing um liana's book earlier this year is this where they said the story was myth is this a common trope the jilted lover dying and i mean it seems like Almost every place has some sort of jilted lover story. Oh, yeah. It, it's, I think, in this case, at least looking at it as urban legend, we're going to remove Lucy particularly in this thing, in this situation. It's basically a motif that you see with the jilted lover. And these are ghostly warning stories of who you pick as a potential mate, basically, mm -hmm. or a potential spouse. You don't want to have a bad spouse who's going to walk out on you chasing somebody else. And Lucy, in this case, may just be that kind of story. Excuse me. It's a warning that of mind girls who you pick as your lover. And this may be this may be a story that was passed down from woman to woman. And like I said, with uh, talking about the way society was built up at the time, men and women did not socialize a ton unless they were married already and maybe family members, but like immediate family members in a, like you're sharing a house together. Um, any meeting of somebody who wasn't a fan, a direct family member was really closely watched. And it, remember this is going to be um, Regency era England Mm -hmm. This is the same era, but just in the United States, they shared a lot of social norms. They didn't have the aristocracy, of course, but still there was gender roles in place. You didn't talk to people that you didn't know. And becoming engaged was a huge thing because that's somebody you literally did not know being welcomed into the family in this case. Usually mm -hmm. it'd be a farmer from the area and you'd mm -hmm. be marrying them and you probably would know them, but there was mm -hmm. still women were escorted places mm -hmm. by their male family members. And it was partially due to safety and partially due to social norms. Mm -hmm. So this Although probably you were was allowed to dance with them at the local ball. 
that was literally the only time they could ever interact with anyone during those. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. That's balls. why they had so many. <laughs> yeah. Well, people. Well, got I was bored thinking too. about Little Women. Yeah. yeah. Little Women probably is a better thing to compare this to, hmm. uh, though it's a slightly a few decades later, but yes. probably very similar. Um, yeah. Balls of parties <laughs> were literally the only hoedowns. Yeah. Like only the the reel that you see that um line dancing is based off of is the reels from regency era england Th- those are the same dances just put to different music and different tempos mm-hmm. so um it's just amazing how much of that bleeds into american mm-hmm. social society so um, of course then there's also the fiction about that people told about their families to cover up anything mm-hmm. that wasn't a social norm like when mm-hmm. someone became pregnant or mm-hmm. ran off i mean i'm sure there were women that ran off with men oh too, there were yeah or eloped if you will mm-hmm. um, yeah. it used to be extremely taboo yeah oh yeah oh yeah you'd be lucky to know about it and if you did it was only by rumor yeah because it wasn't documented mm-hmm. and that's why you have the crybaby bridge stories mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. a lot of the very earlier versions of them talk about travelers on wagon in mm-hmm. encountering these ghostly women and ghostly ch- children wailing at bridges so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's just a jilted bride there's a famous so getting back to it is a jilted bride ghost story probably spread via oral tradition meaning that we told stories and from woman to woman or mother to daughter mother to niece like mm-hmm. that kind of situation up until probably later 19th century and then yeah more it got out more basically Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. written down and stuff like that printed but uh i know there's a ghostly bride in klein avenue in gary indiana oh yeah yeah and it's another famous jilted bride Mm -hmm. there's another there's a gray lady of greenlawn cemetery in columbus ohio which is Mm -hmm. a said to be a union soldier's wife and her ghost lays flowers at his grave so it's not exactly the same kind of jiltedness but you still have a female ghost mourning her husband Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like this is the tragedy of the great war at the time are there any jilted husband ghost stories or is it always women it tends to be always women well that's why i was thinking of liana's invisible women thing Mm -hmm. trope of the woman i think jilted lover was one of her wasn't mm-hmm. that a chapter? I thought I thought that was one of the, yeah. And it, it's per, perhaps it's because of the di- different status of men yeah. socially. Oh yeah, and so they're the ones doing the jilting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although the, I'm sure then, women did it too. It just, yeah, oh, like, the women the did it. A lot of times they're kind of labeled as uh, sex workers. So mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah. So that it's it's fascinating seeing how these ghost stories and legends actually help interpret society norms and mores mm-hmm. at the time. This is one mm-hmm. reason why folklorists like myself look at these old old ghost stories because it gives us an insight into what people were concerned about at that time. And women were concerned about getting attached to a guy and him running away and marrying somebody else. And then you would be considered kind of tainted you not used but less likely to find another husband 
Right. Unless you, unless you were like, rich. <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah. you were rich. Because dowries were still a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, so, yeah, it's it's fascinating seeing how much our society has changed mm-hmm. for the good for women uh, since 1806. Also, this makes it one of the first ghost stories in Cincinnati, especially probably the first settlement ghost story. I am s- separating this from first nation ghost story or tribal ghost story because those existed thousands of years before any of these but for the little white settlers that came mm-hmm. in this is one of the first stories we have so it's a pretty good one it is it is a good one and it's, it's continued for over 200 years <laughs> so and actually i've never encountered a story where somebody actually said they saw her so she hmm. she's really folk she's a folk tale she's that's a awesome folk tale. so yeah. it, it seems appropriate for the area though it's it's kind yeah. of cool that there is this folklore mm-hmm. uh you know around there mm-hmm. and you know one wonders about like you said there there was that claremont county hound i don't know if the claremont county link is here again that has there's a lot more stories in claremont county than i knew yeah and actually looking up and reading a lot of the Inquirer articles, looking up Lucy Run, I found even more places that are haunted around Claremont County. So definitely we will be visiting again. Well, there's certainly lots of spooky roads there. I mean, it is pretty rural. It was very rural when I lived there. It's not as rural as it was, Mm -hmm. but there still is a lot of sort of pockets of places that are not very populated. Yes. And one of the places we will try to investigate as in try to visit is utopia which is oh, yes i remember going oh. there before it's right next to felicity yep and i remember going to there was like a little store there i remember mm-hmm. my friend had a little motorbike and us driving it uh, yeah. to the to utopia because it was right by her house on the river yeah one of the treasures of looking up these ghost towns was ohioghosttowns.org which is a wonderful website that their archivists, we were talking about this with Kelly when we were seeing her, because that was how we figured out that was the jail jailhouse that she was talking about. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. is archivists taking photos of historic landmarks, even though they may be a little bit dilapidated mm-hmm. and not the most pristine, but also the history of what makes these landmarks important to the mm-hmm. area. So well, kudos and, to them for that. And Moscow, Ohio, a lot of its old buildings were wiped out in a tornado a couple of years ago mm-hmm. yes. i know a friend of mine had a childhood home there was that was destroyed Aww. and i was noticing in that article that one of the houses that they said were haunted in moscow ohio was wiped out by it was a it was pretty devastating it wiped yeah, out a lot of that was it did yeah 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 it was terrible yeah um, but yeah it's, it's it's an interesting area mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely we'll go again yes mm-hmm. and very Five, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 ghostly stars. <laughs> um, I really liked it. Yeah. 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 We'll go again. I mean, there are tons of different places. You know, it would be, and this would take us out of, you know, our region, but I'm sure there are some graveyards in Ohio that are, that are that old where it have the drawings and skull drawings and stuff. Like if you go to Trinity Cemetery in New York city, which is mm-hmm. where, um, you know hamilton and eliza are buried it has a lot of those really interesting 
gravestones yeah. from the 1700s. I wanted. I wish I'd brought stuff to take a rubbing while I was. I don't know if they'd let you take rubbings anymore. I think Probably that was what people used to do, but I don't know if that's kind of frowned on now. Bringing a piece of paper and doing a rubbing because if everybody did, it would probably damage them. Yeah, it do, it does. It wears them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think you're probably, especially a place like that that's a historical. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting cemetery. Has anyone? Have either of you been to it? No, but I've been to the burial ground where, um, in Boston, that it just escaped my mind what it's called. But Franklin, I think, is buried there. Oh, cool. A lot of them are. Now I want to look it up, but I don't want to. Trinity's interesting because it's in the middle of the of the financial district so there's mm-hmm. giant skyscrapers in this little tiny church with a little tiny graveyard huh. in the middle of skyscrapers i did yeah. see i went to boston years ago but i have no idea where <laughs> it was because it was my first time there but i did see a small graveyard like within the city so i don't know what it was named or anything i just that's the first time i had seen those kind of headstones in person so it's granary berry burying ground mm-hmm. that's on tremont street near the massachusetts state house is that hmm. that really old street in boston that's yeah old? it's one of them <laughs> they're all them. old christina yeah they all are well, so the burials I mean there are paul revere samuel adams that's who i was thinking oh, of wow. okay. crispus addicts um and that's who I can see in the what window. I'm, what right I'm thinking there. of is there's a neighborhood where it's like the, one of the oldest neighborhoods in the nation. And they, okay. the houses are still there. And I thought it was kind of close to there. It's it's like little tiny houses and it's still, you know, like I said, it's one of the oldest neighborhoods still standing. Oh, it's the parents of Benjamin Franklin who are buried at oh, wow. Granary Burial Ground. They wow. have a rather large monument that you mm-hmm. see from the street. But yeah, um, one of my favorite cemeteries. I know it's kind of trite. Have, have you all been to West Point Cemetery? That's the one by West mm-hmm. Point. My grandfather's buried there. Aww. But one thing that's interesting about it is that you have all of these ostentatious like pyramids and stuff like that built by generals. Uh. Yeah. They actually aren't allowed to build gravestones that big anymore. But like, there's some mausoleums that are shaped like pyramids and some like have roman columns and stuff like that very fancy and you know very ostentatious yeah Mm -hmm. ostentatious and obviously these generals felt they deserved a pyramid so yeah Mm -hmm. you know my grandfather could have worked his way it even had a a sarcophagus like that was carved a little general wow (laughs) i say little they probably didn't consider themselves little. No, but if you see like one of those, I automatically think of the general uh, insurance guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would you bring that kind of memory back? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, one of I was these shaking things... my fist at Jen for all those who are listening to, uh, to us. One of these days, us. one of these days will make it up to new york and maybe take liana's ghost tour oh, that'd be check out because there are there's this new york city is surrounded by the biggest graveyards i've ever seen and when yeah. you fly into the airport you see these giant i mean they're huge mm-hmm. what did they this may be a controversial topic but what did they do with all the covid victims where because i heard about them doing mass graves well a lot of them ended up on heart island okay which i think i referenced last week 
It has did. over a million <laughs> burials. Oh, and yeah. okay. I remember when I was doing that information lookup, it, a lot of them ended up on Hart Island just oh. until they were claimed. Yeah. So it, okay. it wasn't, uh, they weren't hanging around Manhattan or the Bronx or anything. They, mm -hmm. they were taken mm -hmm. to Hart Island where they could be watched. And I mean, it has a regular ferry service there. So Mm -hmm. You can get them on and off really easily. Wow. So, well, I expect, I guess closer to home, there's some really interesting old graveyards really everywhere. Even downtown mm -hmm. Cheviot has a little tiny old graveyard there mm -hmm. that's in its downtown. And almost any area that you go has one of these little old graveyards yeah. there. There's one in Wyoming. We just mm -hmm. need to make a cemetery project where we just take photos of all the cemeteries mm -hmm. in the region. Mm -hmm. yes because there's that, that's a big project it's a yes, very big there are very project. many of them mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of dead people funny yeah. that anyway <laughs> anyone who has ever lived <laughs> but on that note we have a hometown haunt yes who would like to read it um you know i, I can care. read it i can um, read it this week if you want uh, sure we can alternate i'm okay. gonna pull it up again yes um let me go ahead. And, and this was, and, you know, if you have a hometown haunt, please send it to us because we like hearing your stories. I've got a couple more left, but we'd like to have more. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, Jen, you should ask Christine if she has any haunting experiences we could read on here. Okay. I'll ask her again. I, I mean, I'm I know sure she, she has something juicy. She shared her, her major one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's got a couple more. I think I can, uh, yeah, I'll ask fun. her about. We always like to hear more. Yeah. So this is from Jess. It says, when I was little, I used to have these little flashes of light up in a corner of my ceiling. They would just glow, flicker. Never move from that spot. I always found them comforting, and I just watched them and fall asleep. I've never been able to see them again since getting older. But I know my parents used to fight a lot, and I wonder if it was something that knew that, knew that and tried to help me. Aww. Ooh, thank you, Jess. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. Kind of like a guardian guardian ghost. Is that a common thing? Like seeing is that like seeing orbs, glowing orbs or it's not common. Mm -hmm. And I do have a follow-up question for Jess. Did these little flashes of light excuse me, my voice is leaving me. Did these little flashes of light look kind of like a sparkler when you saw them, like kind of emanating from one central point? Because I've only known two people who have set, seen these. I am one of them. The other one is another psychic medium I know named Tina. And uh, we don't know why we saw them either. <laughs> they, we just walked in. Like, in my case, I was working at my office in a different house. And, and this one, my table was against a wall. But if I looked to my right, it would look all the way down the shotgun, basically, of the house. It was all the hallways and all the rooms. And in the entry room, it looked like there was a sparkler standing in the doorway. And it was just little balls of light. And they were glowing gold, basically. And I've asked around. And Tina's the only other person who's ever experienced this. And it was similar where she was just doing an everyday errand in her house. And turned around and boom there were these lights so were we all abducted by aliens maybe i have no idea it's but it's interesting and it's very rare this is one of the rarest incidents 
of paranormal experience documented. Could it be the Fae? It could be. Hmm, it could be. Yeah. It, it also know. could be like Cthulhu trying to come through the fourth dimension. We. I think I'd prefer no. Fae. I don't know. Fae, it's interesting because you always see those things that the mythological the the mythological backgrounds of Faye is much more sinister than the cute yeah. little oh yeah uh, pinup girls that we see now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the the idea that she wasn't scared by it; she was comforted by it. Yeah. So yeah, I imagine that was its intention was yeah. for comfort. Yes. Yeah. 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 Speaking of glowing things, we never have seen that glowing ball again that came into the bathroom. You know what? Have yeah, you heard of ball, ball lightning? Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It, this was like a plastic ball with lights glowing in. Oh it. yeah, that uh, like a cat toy. I'm sorry. But yeah, but we've oh, never yeah, seen the, it before. The, the we had ball. never seen it before, and we've never seen it since. Yeah. You yeah. So it's them. like a phantom toy. Well, it could be. We maybe we have a phantom cat playing with her. Maybe. I wonder if it's Spike or one of your other babies. Mm. Hard to say. Hard to yeah. say. It could be. It could be. You any see any ghostly kitties around her right now, cat? No, I do not. I just like, see very real-bodied kitties <laughs> and kitty Brothers. tails. But I, I suppose Cat's uh, about to lose her voice. So we've yeah, it, it's kind of a little rough. But thank you, Jess. And yes, I think it was very comforting to you. It was comforting to me, albeit I was like, what's going on? And comforting to Tina, none of us felt threatened. So mm. yeah, it, it could be... could be a protrusion into mm. our dimension of something. Yeah. yeah could be but it's interesting so and it's rare so mm -hmm. count yourself very lucky so on that note thank you everyone for listening to us on this another wonderful episode of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities hometown haunts podcast i am your host cat loco along with christina wald and jen goler uh you can follow us on social media at cincinnati ah <laughs> where am i doing where am i doing <laughs> This is a great ending. So you can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and at Cincy Cabinet Cur Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And also you can join us on Facebook at Hometown Haunts and you can share your ghostly stories and fringe history from your neck of the woods. So for Christina, Jen, and myself, good night and stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.